from Fox 8 Sports. You're listening to Fox 8 Overtime. From Fox 8 Studios in New Orleans, welcome into Overtime, the podcast for all things sports, all things Louisiana, and everything in between. Alongside Sean Fazan, joining us by way of telephone from Tampa, and John Bennett producing. I'm Chris Hagan. Today we're talking that Saints emphatic bounce back win over the Buccaneers. But first, a quick request and reminder to subscribe to the podcast. Also, please rate and review it and tell your friends. And if you want to get in touch with us, use the Final Play app to submit a question. We love getting them about the Saints. Now, Sean Fazan, let's get to it. The Saints um, win, I think, a little bit more comfortably than we thought this game was going to be, especially considering the injuries they had coming in. No Deontay Harris at returner, but most important, no no Andrews Pete at left guard and no Marshawn Lattimore to keep Mike Evans in check, but it didn't seem to be too much of a problem. No, I, and, and you know, if you'd have told me without Lattimore, um, to me, because I thought that was going to be the biggest injury just because of what the Bucks had on the other side of the ball, uh, but no Lattimore, and still you look at the stat sheet and you see four interceptions. I mean, I'm not sure I would have believed you. Although, look, <laughs> it is James. I guess it's always <laughs> possible. Uh, but look, I didn't know if four was going to be uh, uh, they were going to be able to get four uh, on the day. But uh, they were able to get that, and obviously that stat plus the time of possession stat to me were the two key stats in this game. I thought offensively they were able to set the tone pretty early, uh, really grind out some drives, some long drives, uh, but while at the same time keeping some tempo. And defensively, you know, uh, shut the Bucks down early, were opportunistic. And, and look, I, the Bucks only ran the ball eight times today. Jameis threw the ball 51 times. Just a, overall, it was a – you could just tell that this was – we need to come out, we need to erase last week's memory and, and play Saints football, and I thought they did so. And I think we'll look back at that Atlanta loss and just think a minor bump in the road uh, to a successful season. Yeah, the players talked about it after the game, just you know wanting to get that taste out of their mouth and um, bouncing back. I think it was a good job, not just by them, but by the, you know, the coaching staff too, um, to put together that game plan and come out and perform much better. Um, they didn't get... A touchdown on the opening drive. Still have yet to do that, but they did get three points. Um, by the end of the first quarter, they had 13. Um, so technically a faster start because they were up and playing with a 20 to nothing advantage um, on the Bucks, and I think that really helped in terms of making the Bucks a little bit more one-dimensional di- one because they weren't able to run the ball that much. Yeah, and, and it also helped defensive coordinator Dennis Allen, not just with uh, them not being able to run the football, but he blitzed probably a lot more than we thought he would just because of the circumstances considering the secondary and uh, still they brought blitzes. When C.J. Gardner-Johnson's on the field, it's a 50% chance that guy's blitzing from wherever he's at. He blitzes a lot. Patrick Robinson did later as well. Uh, obviously, they'll mix and match their, their blitzes with the linebackers. So uh, the early lead certainly allowed Dennis Allen to be more aggressive later in the game. We saw what happened when you add up the stats the final uh, the final statue, you know, Jameis was 30 of 51, 313, two touchdowns and four interceptions. They gave up a few uh, explosive plays, but, you know, that, that, that early lead really helped. And the first four drives resulted in four scores, two field goals, two touchdowns. And really from that point on, it never really felt like the situation was in doubt. It felt like uh, the Saints were comfortably ahead. Um, they had just enough mistakes to, to teach off the tape, uh, but I thought overall – this was a pretty dominant day, and it probably could have been a could have been a lot worse. Yeah, uh, Coach Payton called the the offense patient, 
Um, I don't think they were really pressing too much. It obviously helped to have the lead, but um, you look at the stat line and Kamara, 13 rushes, 75 yards, about 5.8 yards per carry. Um, Latavius Murray gets 10 carries as well. Kamara with 10 catches, um, a lot of stuff underneath. Michael Thomas, 8 catches for 114 and a touchdown. I think they, they played safely within themselves, but clearly um, Alvin Kamara, 23 touches, um, a lot of snaps. He looked more like himself, the jump cuts, um, the way he finished runs, getting extra yards, and I think that made a big difference. That wasn't the same Kamara we saw um, against the Falcons in his first game back. Yeah, he only had 12, 12 touches the week before, and I kind of asked him about that. It's, I say, man, 23, cat, 23 touches today. Uh, I just felt like you were kind of getting into the groove pretty early on. He goes, yeah, I just got the ball. Like, it was like okay, they, they gave me the ball, and I just took advantage. And I, I agree with you, though. I, you know, he didn't look 100% yesterday, but I thought he would look a little bit better than perhaps his numbers would have dictated. Uh, but this week, he, he looked back to full strength, uh, breaking tackles, you know, that – that kind of that kind of slippery way he breaks out of a tackle where you know the defender is kind of at his ankles where he just is able to kind of hop his way out of it so to speak and uh, I thought he did that a couple of times today. 23 touches on the day, over 100 total yards. He had some return yardage as well. Took a nasty hit on a punt return as well. But I thought it was a good plan. I thought the execution was sound. I thought the adjustments were good. And I didn't realize this, and maybe you guys saw it a little bit better on the TV copy because I was watching the game from the stands. But a big deal was made out of. Sean Payton talking for a while while the defense was on the field to Kamara, to Breeze. Well, it turns out that was when Josh Hill got hurt, either the second or third quarter. And, you know, we kind of talked about this in the pregame, Chris, just how much of a an unsung hero Josh Hill is with the, 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 the packages that they put him in and the different roles they ask him to play and how many personnel groupings he's in and some of the, the ugly work that he has to do to make a, a play successful. And when he was out of the game – that was literally Sean Payton and his players going through plays, finding the plays they can run, while also seeing where they could substitute a guy for Josh Hill and literally just going through the play, just drawing it up on a whiteboard bit by bit uh, to whoever was going to fill in for Josh Hill. So when there was a little bit of that lull there in the third quarter with the Saints offense, uh, that was pretty much what it was. It was that adjustment with, without Josh Hill, which clearly was a bigger factor uh, than we thought it was while the game was going on. Yep, that, that certainly is a big deal. That's where it does help to have a guy like Taysom Hill who can do some similar things, probably not quite the blocker, even though he is a pretty adequate blocker, but they can kind of mix him in, and I think they do have at least some of the personnel to, to help make up for that a little bit. I think one of the numbers we had circled going into this game for the Saints defense was the six sacks that they had against Jameis Winston in the first meeting. Wasn't that same number today, just one sack, but clearly the pressure was there, and I think... Um, like you talked about, all of the blitzing helped force the four interceptions from Jameis Winston. And I think, you know, it's it's it plays hand in hand. It's complimentary football. When you play with a lead, you can afford to take risks, and especially against the Buccaneers and Jameis Winston, when you take yeah. those risks, more than often they're going to pay off with interceptions. And we saw that big time today. Yeah, look, it's funny. Uh, a little off topic, but uh, as I'm walking in through my editing here, um, the the Fox affiliate affiliate here locally had a post game show from the stadium and it happened to be on the TV set where I'm where I'm editing and they're talking about Jameis Winston's four interception performance and it's almost like a shoulder shrug now I, I guess it's pretty uh, much the deal here that's just what to expect he's just he's just all over the place an erratic player but um, I thought and this is why sack numbers can be a little misleading what did they finish with was it two today officially one, one? one. okay. Uh, well, 
frankly, Actually, you might be right. The, it, I think it might have been I, more, than, I, more than one. I think it ended up being because I think Cam had one and a half. But anyway, uh, the pressure, I mean, you felt it pretty much all all game. I mean, there was a couple of plays where Jameis is switching to his left hand a couple of times where he's, you know, doing a spike, although it's it looks like a spike, although it technically it counts as an incomplete pass, not the spike in the way we, you know, it's to kill the clock. And then there was a couple where he was able to kind of get out of the grass and make a few plays running the ball. But outside of that, I mean, they really controlled uh, the, the pace and flow of that game with the ability to rush the passer on a consistent basis. And you didn't really know where it was coming from. Uh, Jameis didn't. And then, look, when Jameis gets rattled, it's just it, – it's it, it's – you know, like Thanksgiving or Christmas for for defensive backfield, and and that's what it was today, and really was one of the big storylines of the game. Dude, it's it's truly unbelievable and amazing that it's such an issue, it's such a known thing that Jameis is going to throw interceptions, and seemingly no coach, no offensive coordinator has ever been to address it or fix it or mask it, do what like it is just. In accepted facts, like you said with that Fox affiliate in Tampa, that he's going to come out and he is going to throw interceptions. And that's insane. In a, in a game um, where they they don't have a defense that's that good, where you every week out taking care of the ball has to be pivotal for them. I mean, how many games over the last like three years more would the Bucks have won if they just take care of the football? I mean, take sacks instead of interceptions. That's probably yeah. the difference in at least five or six games over the last couple of years. Um, yeah, and look. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just saying it, it's it's crazy that that's still the case with Jameis Winston and, and no one's no one's been able to fix that. Yeah, and look at the year five. So, I, I mean, at this point, he is who he is as a player. And it's just amazing that no one's ever got into his head, hey, look, it's almost like they don't want to, like, uh, take away his kind of gunslinger mentality. But at the point, you're at the point now in his career where I'm not sure – there's even half the big plays that you get out of that mentality versus the big mistakes that you get. I mean, maybe there was a point earlier in his career where you could tolerate it because you think, well, maybe those interceptions will eventually turn into big plays if he keeps, if it just gets a little bit better. It just hasn't happened. But it really is amazing the tone around it because it was kind of a, huh, that's Jameis. And people just kind of accept it and move on, which is amazing with a coach like Bruce Arians, who's a bit of a quarterback whisperer and who's developed a lot of quarterbacks and not even him has been able to, you know, uh, tone down, which is just the mistake-prone, the interception-prone James Winston. It really is something to see. Yeah, now when you look across the rest of the division, you see the the Falcons, after beating the Saints, do the Saints a bit of a favor, take some of that pressure off with Carolina dropping one. They're now down to 5-5, five and five, so it feels like going into next week where the Saints host the Panthers, um, you could all but slam the door, not mathematically, but figuratively you could slam the door on the, on winning this division um if you're able to handle business against the Panthers and then just win the games you should win throughout the rest of the schedule yeah and, and that's why look you were in the same boat as me everybody in the sports office we were all in the same boat we were not going to overreact to the Atlanta loss some of the fan base did but you know that's the fan base they're going to be fanatical at times but I, I just think look all they had to do was clean it up this week, and everything was going to fall back in line. And look, look at look at the NFC South. I mean, the first the first goal of any team is to win your division, and they may not have it mathematically locked up by Thanksgiving, but it'll be close if they're able to win these next two games. And now you're back in the conversation of number one or number two seed and getting home field advantage uh, in the playoffs. So um, they're right back on course. Um, I just like the tone today. I really liked it. They all seem to grasp. Um, they all seem to hold themselves accountable to last week's actions from the coaching staff on down. 
Uh, and they just had the look of a team that's that's just this is a championship caliber team, and they know it, and they perform like it today. Yeah, it was business like more than anything you could say. They came out, they were efficient on third down, um, converted their fourth down. Not again, not crazy numbers, not super super high scoring, but a team that handled business and rather routinely, sneakily put up 34 points. I mean, I I, I laughed when Drew Brees said it after the game. He called Michael Thomas's performance, you know, <laughs> yeah. ho hum. Eight catches, right. 114 in the touchdown. And literally, you look at Michael Thomas's numbers, and it's been like that all year. It's it's insane. Um, but that's the level that this team is playing on right now. Yeah, it's almost like the reverse. You know, they, they shrug their shoulders for Jameis interceptions here. Well, we shrug our shoulders at eight catch, 115-yard, one touchdown performances with Michael Thomas because it happens every single week. Um, but I saw – and by the way, I, I got the, the Saints uh, – kind of cumulative stats right now and, I, and I, I did a double take you know mike thomas is already at 94 catches this is not even week 12 yeah I mean, we're week we're still in november 94 catches he's still got six more games to play he may break 150 catches this year it's unbelievable his catch radius right now dude 95 percent of nfl receivers don't hit that number in a season you know like right. it is a remarkable year to top 80 it's really the upper echelon um top 100 like the Hopkins the Jones the Devontae Adams a year ago um and you're talking about in the 90s in November it's unbelievable and, and again the reason you can you can argue for the MVP is because it wasn't just with Drew Brees and a, right. and a quarterback that can be so precise not that Teddy can't be precise but it was a quarter it was a backup quarterback that right. came in and Thomas was just as useful, was given just as much attention by defenses, and still put up huge numbers. Yeah, and look, Drew's going to stump for him, and rightfully so. I don't think it's going to happen because I just think Lamar Jackson's having too crazy of a year right now and people right. just get enamored with quarterback play and MVP discussion. But he's been as valuable to this team as anyone uh, this season. So can't guard Mike. I mean, I mean, never has there been a truer uh, Twitter handle. And look, another one today, he ran that kind of wheel route, got the touchdown. Caught a couple of slants, a couple of crossers, that nice run after catch on the was a 42-yard gain. So he looked great. And I want to also mention Jared Cook. Only two catches, but two huge catches. Sure he had that were. nice slant early. And I loved, loved the touchdown catch where Breeze did that that's a that's a moment in their relationship where it's like, okay, that's my six five uh tight end. I trust him. Uh he's gonna make a play for me, and he just put it up there. And Cook did it. To me, that was a turning point in the chemistry between Breeze and Cook. That touchdown catch was really something. And you could tell by by what Breeze said after the game that, you know, the mentality he has is very Jimmy Graham-esque of Cook next to anyone in the end zone. I'm going to trust him to go get the ball more than anyone else. His job is only to put it where only Cook can get it, and that's what he did. That's what we saw in training camp when Breeze was throwing into double coverage and Cook was able to get the ball. That trust is there. It's just a matter of doing it in games. And like you mentioned, while the volume wasn't there, the impact certainly was. And against better teams that eventually are able to right. take away Michael Thomas, that's where Jared Cook will have an even uh, bigger presence felt because – He's going to be that second receiver downfield um, if it's not Kamara underneath or somebody else. I totally agree. And look, I don't, I don't know what defensive coordinators are doing right now in terms of I, I can't imagine when you're scouting the Saints uh, offense, your defensive coordinator, how 
I mean, I, I would imagine 13 pops up pretty quick in the scouting report, and yet still no one's been able to figure out a way to uh, to take him out of the game. But it's not like I've seen a whole lot of teams that deliberately try to double him and take him out of the game. I mean, he, he's still been getting a lot of single coverage uh, in most situations. But eventually, we saw it last year in the playoffs, it's going to happen where a team is going to say, we are not going to let 13 beat us. So someone else is going to get some opportunities. And look, I've been high on Jared Cook, even though he's had an up-and-down year battle some injuries and obviously with, with Breeze being out for a, a portion of that uh, of the season there but I still think I still have high hopes that he's going to be an impact player here down the stretch certainly and I think we both hit on it in previous podcasts that's an, uh, something that should continue to grow as the regular season continues and obviously into the postseason when um, you see the effect the tight end can have a Travis Kelsey a Rob Gronk to uh, Rob Gronkowski to Tom Brady that third down playmaker when they double your guy um, that's who Jared Cook can certainly become within this offense. We'll leave it right there. Uh, we'll have much more Saints to talk on our triple coverage edition coming up later this week. Sean, thank you for joining us from Tampa. Before we let you guys go, a quick request and reminder, please subscribe to the podcast. Also, please rate and review it and tell your friends. And if you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on that Final Play app. Um, if we get the questions, we'll get them on the podcast. We'll get some of them on the air with Deuce McAllister and the Black and Gold Review Show. So be sure to check that out. For now, we will talk to you next time on Overtime. At Keesler Federal Credit Union, if it's important to you, it's important to us. Here, you're more than a customer, you're a member. And we're more than a financial services provider. We're your financial partner with a genuine interest in your life. So whether you want the best rate on a credit card for the things you love, a home loan for the people you love, or savings and checking that work as hard as you do, we've got you covered. And that's a good thing. From Fox 8 Sports, this has been Fox 8 Overtime.